When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. What's good, fam? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. It has creation tools to help you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor will even help distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast, it's all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast, episode number six. I am on a high from the last episode and the episode before that, so my energy is up. And today, I have my first in-house guest, Mr. Javan Blackston. Now, let's run down your titles. (laughs) Cybersecurity Systems engineer, small business owner. Uh, what else we got? We got master barber. Correct. Yep. Yep. Husband, father, brother, advocate, advocate. Yeah. Let's hear more about that. Um, what's important to you? Uh, making sure that we, or I, uh, I guess in part in people. Sure. I'm a people person. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say that, but you know, when I say it, I mean, whatever I can give, especially if it's an experience. Sure. I try to impart that in someone else, a young person, somebody I might be dealing with at work, somebody I might be cutting their hair, you know, as a barber you become sort of a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And um, I just always find myself imparting stuff that I've lived through or been through uh, with respect to whatever it may be, like a referral. Sure. uh, You know, for, you know, just anything, some work. Um, I try to advocate for, especially young men now these days, because they don't have the same experiences that we we kind of grew up. I'm in. I'm, I was born in the '70s. I was a uh, preteen in the '80s. I was a teenager in the '90s. Yeah, you know. And uh, now I'm 52, 51. And a lot of people get to that 50 mark. Like all of my friends, we yeah. turned 50 last year, and they had all these big shindings, and uh, and then something happens in you, and you start acting the age that you see other people acting at that age. Right. And I try not to do that just mainly for my boys, uh, because I gotta, I gotta know and be in the know to sure. be able to communicate with them. That's a, that's a real important thing for me. Uh, I'm on social media so that I can check up on them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, you kind of led into a little bit of your fatherhood story. Let's, let's talk about that. What was your, your, your home environment growing up? Was your father in the home? Do you have brothers and sisters? Uh, what was it? Let's let's start there with your father. Okay, so I grew up in a blended family. Uh, okay, my mom and dad. Their situation wasn't uh, pleasant. There's eight million stories in, in Mega City. Sure, uh, but um, you know, as a result of whatever they had going on, my mom she kind of kept me away from my father. Okay, it didn't. It wasn't pleasant. And what she wanted to do is make sure she had a stable relationship and have a, 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 a positive male figure. Uh, not to say that my father was 
a negative male figure, but I think, you know, with emotions and things of that nature, uh, it affected uh, my relationship. Her emotions affected my relationship sure. with my biological. Fast forward, uh, maybe, you know, I'm four. She gets married uh, to my stepfather, who is amazing. And, uh, you know, I owe a lot of who I am sure. and how I am to him. And, uh, you know, we, I grew up with my younger brother. And um, at some point in my life, my stepfather, you know, out of the love that he had for me, he wanted me to, I, my mom gave me her maiden name. She okay. didn't give me my biological father's last name. And uh, I guess he felt that he wanted me to feel, you know, like I was yeah. in part, apart. So he asked me, did I want to uh, change my last name? And I thought about it. I was probably about 15 or 16 years old. And I decided, no, um, he didn't feel no type of way. He, uh, he still loved me the same. You know, I had a really, really good relationship with my stepfather and that's, I don't really use step all the, all the yeah, time. I'm not a fan of the other step title either. We, we have a blended family and I've never, I've never even considered my oldest to be step, but I want to go back to something you said. You, you didn't want to take on the last name. Do you remember the rationale at that point? What was it about the, the ask or did it just not feel right? Um, so my mom's side, uh, I had a, I, she had a big family okay. um, and uh, I will elaborate later, but um, the last name Blackston meant something gotcha. from where my mom is from, a little small town in North Carolina. And um, at that point, you know, I had interacted with my, my uh, cousins and extended family under my stepfather, but I also was interacting with my, my mom's sister and her, her brothers, you know, my, Mom's youngest brother, um, I'm named after. Okay. Sort of. His middle name is my first name. Gotcha. Um, but um, so it's more about representing your family. It wasn't any. Yeah, it wasn't no. no I didn't feel any type like of way. Okay. I wasn't, you know, he wasn't trying to force me. He sure. did He wasn't upset. He just wanted to make sure I knew that he felt like he 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 loved me. You know, in that moment, you know, for him to say something like that, I I I felt proud. Yeah. And. Um, you know, he, he's, uh, he's passed away. And, um, you know, when you have a loved one that you're close to pass away, you live, you know, and I keep him alive by sure. the lessons that he taught me. And I try to pass those same lessons to my sons. What was one of the biggest lessons or the most memorable lessons that you got from your father? Um, and, and I want to make sure you don't mind if I refer to him as your father. Oh yeah, okay. you can, okay. you can. Um, and I guess it was a, it was a respect. Ah. Uh, and I can, I can say this for a fact that there's only a few times in my life, in my young age, you know, pre being an adult that I actually got in trouble. Like really? where, you know, people grow up with whoopings and all really? that. Uh, my father was a disciplinarian and yeah. uh, he didn't really, he didn't really yell or scream and shout. He just, you know, he took care of business and he had to do what he had to do. And the one time that I can remember in life to this day where I got a spanking or a whooping is uh, I was in maybe elementary and uh, the teacher said something to me. I took my boot off and I threw it at the teacher. <laughs> my mama told me to tell you uh, she called my mom who called my father. They both worked shifts. Yeah. He was at, uh, he was a correctional officer. My mom worked at the hospital and, uh, she was, she was working and he was off. He came up to that school and tore me a new one with his work belt. And I'm not talking about like, uh, from Macy's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about with a correctional office belt. A true correction. A true belt. And uh, that was the only time that he had ever disciplined me after that. Why was that? Were you just a mild-mannered child, or did he just command respect and you understood it? He command he commanded the respect. I understood it. And then, you know, he 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 spanked me, but he also gave me a lesson behind it. It took a minute. 
but uh, sometime after that, he took me into the the place of work, his which was the jail. Right. And uh, you know, this was way before scare straight, and yeah. he wasn't necessarily trying to scare me or have somebody to yell at me. But he, you know, he he showed me where he worked, and he just was like, "Look, this is where you're gonna be if you keep doing what you're doing." Yeah. And um, I loved him for that. You know, of course, at the time I didn't, but you know, as I got older and older, and um, you know, I just wanted to try to do what I could do to make him proud. I wasn't the perfect child, but I know I knew my limits. I knew what what to do and what not to do. So you said something interesting about um, you didn't appreciate it at the time, and that's a struggle for me and where I am, where I was in my relationship with my father at the age that my oldest son is now. And that's mm-hmm. when I, you know, I started. Uh, trying to grow hair on my chest, right? Trying mm-hmm. to test the limits and all of that. Mm-hmm. At what point did you realize, not even realize, at what point did you truly start to appreciate your father? Man, um, probably sometime after I first got married. Got it. You know, because between the time I left, the house and started living on my own. I wasn't thinking about lessons that, you know, he was giving me or yeah. he was trying to tell me about, you know, just by taking care of yourself, cleaning up and what he used to do, you know, subliminally, you know, he, he was the type that, you know, he told us what he wanted to do, but he had his ways. Like he, my father was the cook. My, my mom didn't cook any food in the house. We wouldn't even allow it because wow. she was horrible. <laughs> but my father, he could throw down. He was the youngest of all his siblings. And he told us, you know, when he came up, his mom had him in the kitchen and yeah. he just learned stuff from his mom. And uh, he would cook. And I can tell you for a fact, every weekend, we could hear him in the kitchen on Saturday, and he didn't even have to say nothing. He would stop. You could hear the pan stop sizzling, and breakfast was ready. And while you were sitting there eating, uh, you can ask my brother. (laughs) Uh, He started running down what we was going to do before you did anything that you thought you wanted to do. Pay your dues. Yeah. What was... uh... I, your eyes light up when you talk about him, right? I love him. I love him. I I I see the fond memories in it. What was his communication style? Oh, um, he he wasn't the greatest communicator. Uh, you know, he showed you how he loves you, yeah. you know, by making sure that. So, like, I give you an example. You know, he he cooked um, and some of the stuff, you know, he was from the country. I didn't really care for, you Little know, possum. No, nah, no possum, uh, you know, squash, stewed tomatoes. Oh, man, that's the good stuff. Nah, nah. That's the nah, well, stewed tomatoes. Man. I appreciate it later in life. We're talking man. about in the late late 90s, early yeah. mid 90s, you know. Yeah. Nah, liver. I've never had liver in my life. Well, I grew up vegetarian. Okay. And that's not something that I adopted yeah. once I got out the house. It just, I, I don't get it. Doesn't, uh, doesn't sound pleasant. Well, you know, most families from the South, they, they ain't know nothing about no vegetarian. You grew up True. on what you had and, you know, you got what you got from, you you know, generations of, you know, oppressions, you know, uh, segregation, and you got what you got because black families didn't have the opportunity to make some of those types of decisions like we do now. Like I tried to raise my youngest son on to be vegan, Uh you know, he's 15 now. And the first time he got to hold uh, some bacon, that was it. <laughs> it was over. It's a wrap, you know. But um, let's say he he cooked liver, okay, and I hated it. Yeah, he would keep cooking it, but he would do it in different ways to see if I like it differently. Yeah. And this one time, stroke of genius, you know, I didn't know anything about it. He cooked it and he put it in the oven with a slice of bacon on it. He knew we loved bacon. Yeah, yeah. And the bacon crisped up in the oven and the bacon grease came down <laughs> on the top of the liver and it made it palatable. It made it amazing, actually. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> if you're on audio only, you got to jump over to YouTube because you, you got to see the facial expressions. You got to see the pure joy when this man said bacon. Bacon. Bacon sizzling and the grease came down. Yeah, it the just, grease came it just down coated, the, it coated the liver. And, uh, you know, that was his way of showing that you know, I know you don't like this, but this is something I think you need. I want to make sure you're nourished and you have something sufficient instead of junk food, you know, or, yeah. you know, some McDonald's or, or whatever fast food that, that you wanted. So that's how 
he communicated, you know. What What is your most prominent trait that you attribute to him, that you got from him? Integrity. Say more. Yeah. Um, and I try to teach this to my sons in different various le lessons. And uh, I don't, ne I'm not saying I've never lied or never been in a sure. situation where I didn't tell the truth. Right. But over the years, as you get older, you become wiser. And uh, throughout my whole career where I work, you know, that was something that, you know, uh, they kind of instilled, but I already had it, you know. Right. Uh, I just don't ever want to live my life in such that I can't communicate about it sure. or any part about it. Of course, you know, I made some mistakes in relationships and business at work. But over the course of my life, uh, the biggest lesson, you know, he taught is integrity, you know, being able to, you know, do the right thing when ain't nobody looking. Um, and I try to teach that to, to, to especially right now, I got a 22 year old uh. and uh, he lost a job over the summer. And it was because he was getting to work. He wasn't staying the same the, the duration. And I said, what do you expect? What did you expect? Cause yeah. he was, he was upset. He was in tears. And I said, Hey man, you got to clean that up. You got to, yeah. ain't no use to crying about it. You made this decision to, to do what you did. You didn't, you didn't, you know, that's the first, any job will let you go yeah. uh, for uh, misrepresenting your time. For and sure. I said, you know, even being there at from nine to five and then being on your phone is a, is a time infraction. You know, if you're doing personal stuff at work, you know, that's something that uh, you can get fired for, sure. you know, and I just try to make sure we talked about that. Now he since he likes to work. Yeah. He's in school. His main objective is getting a job and making money. I love that about him. Right. You know, that's what he, I think that trait he got from me because I don't want to be sitting around not doing anything. I want to make, I want to make money. I want him to be able to be self-sufficient as well. So, you know, with his new job, we talked about the mistakes that he made on his old job. And now we, you know, these are lessons that he's learning. You know, he has to learn those. You know, you can't, you can't heal without pain. Sure, sure. You got to go through some, some pain so you can really heal. Really interesting point. I want to come back to on that, uh, about having to go through pain. Your eyes light up when you talk about your boys too. Yeah. Is it just the two the two sons you two have? Two sons. And they're 15 and 22? 15 and 22. What do they mean to you? Everything, you know. Um, two two separate um, families. I was married. I've been married. This is my third time. Okay. It's my last time. Right. You know, my wife, she doesn't realize she's she's never going anywhere. She's done. Yeah. Um, I was young in my first marriage. I was middle age in my second marriage. They didn't work out. I have two sons from those two relationships. And um, what's going on now, right now in my son's life, my son's lives, they are seven years apart. And uh, what I love about them is that they didn't grow up together, but now they communicate without me. They text, talk, tell jokes. You know, uh, uh, like I said, when the last time I saw you, uh, one of them, text me to tell the older, tell on the older one about drinking. And uh, I had to remind him that his brother is old enough too. to drink. Right. And he was like, oh. <laughs> How, did you facilitate that process? Is that something that they both got from you, from your interaction with them that they picked up and that kind of nurtured that relationship between the two of them? Uh, you know, I had to have them um, understand that they both came from me. Um, I didn't name either one of them after me, but what I did do that I thought was uh, poignant is their middle names are my first name. Both of them have the same middle name. And um, uh, somewhere down the line, the youngest is mom. She made sure that she tried to interact with the oldest, the oldest is oldest boy. And, um, you know, I make sure that they communicate when I can. I FaceTime them both at the same time. I try to I talk to them separately, but, you know, just trying to make sure that I keep in their lives because they're in Maryland, in the Washington, D.C. area. One is at North Carolina, but he lives in Maryland. Okay. And the youngest one lives in Maryland. So I just try to make sure, you know, when I can, I keep them together as best I can. But it's just organically lately yeah. that they're calling me 
talking about stuff that they had been talking about on their own. And I love it. You know, it's a, it's a blessing, you know, that's one of the things I, I, I couldn't have even, you know, I could have forced them or try to force them, sure. but they've been doing it on their own organically, just communicating and keeping up. Cause they know that they, I'm, they got me. Right. I mean, you know, I'm their only father is the only father they're going to ever have. So um, I love that piece about them. You mentioned uh, as you were introducing your fatherhood story about the, the separation of your mother and your, and your birth father yeah. around the age of four. What do you remember about that time? And do you think that any of that, what you saw then contributed to less than successful marriages early on? Or was it with, like, is there any correlation between what you saw in your home and your, uh, your first couple of marriages or? So my mom and dad were never married. They were, gotcha. they were in a relationship that she thought, and he was married. Oh. So she found out later after okay. she got pregnant and with me. And then, and that's when the wheels fell off, gotcha. you know? So I don't think that, uh, that situation, I don't remember much about that situation. Okay. I'm going to tell you why, because my mom, like I said, she's from the South. She moved from North Carolina to DC, the big city. Sure. She wanted to make money. She didn't want to pick tobacco or deal with hogs. So she left and she wanted to move. And uh, she started working at Georgetown University Hospital. Okay. And um, when she got pregnant, she had to, at back then in the 70s, 1970, you couldn't be unmarried and be pregnant and working at a hospital. Like oh, wow. That. Yeah, it's crazy, right? But yeah. those were the times. It's, it's different. And, um, I think she had a lot of uh, pain and regret over the fact that she thought she had a relationship with the, the man yeah. that she's expressed that was the love of her life. And the fact that she had to make some changes and go, you know, reposition herself to figure out how she was going to live with a unwed and, you know, unmarried and pregnant. And uh, she had to leave her job. So I can, I can imagine it being very painful. Sure. But she 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 overcame and um, ended up meeting my stepfather. And um, what's funny is um, <laughs> he's gonna be mad if I say this, but um, wow, as an only child at that point, uh, I used to have an imaginary friend, and I would talk to him, and they named my brother after my imaginary really? friend. Really. <laughs> Because of because of how much you talked about this person, or you know, I would probably be in my room talking to my imaginary <laughs> friend. Yeah, that's hilarious. So, uh, yeah, he's gonna be upset about that, but it's it's all right. It's love. <laughs> Was there any traits in your father, not birth, but your the father your the father that was present in your life that you recognize and you don't necessarily want to repeat? Any characteristics, um, anything like that? I, I, you know, I, I always, I do imitate him. I mean, you know, I don't believe that I had the best imitation. My brother, I mean, when I look at him and how he acts and how he makes decisions, they like are, I mean, just exactly. Yeah. You know, I get like, wow, you, you, you acting just like that. You're like, you know, you do just like that. He, my father. He was a people person, you know, okay. he would give his last, he would cook for whoever needed it. If you needed something, he was the type of person he would try to work it out. If he didn't have it, he, he or if he had it, he would give it, you know. Yeah. I don't have any memories that I can't say, you know, that I, you know, disliked about my stepfather nice. or my, my father that raised me. Right. So, um... You know, it's really, really, you know, he was a good person. And uh, I know he wasn't perfect. Uh, he worked at the jail. You know, he explained to me, you know, that's that's a mental thing in itself, being that when you go to work every day, you're locked up just like them. Yeah. You know, the people that you're supposed to be guarding. Yeah. You know, so dealing what, with why? that. Whoa, 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 whoa. I just picked up on what you said. Yeah. You're in the environment, too. Yeah. Though you appear to be an authority. But you're Your locked freedom up. Is, wow. Yeah. They lock wow. the doors on everyone. Wow. So no one can escape. Wow. So, you know, you had the ability to get off when your shift was over, but during your shift, you dealt with a lot of, I'm sure, ignorance, yeah. uh, violence. Uh, one day I can remember 
us uh, having one car. And uh, like I said, they work shift work. And one day we go drop drop him off and they open the door of the jail and cloud of smoke come out. And I'm like, mom, <laughs> is dad going to be all right? Because wow. <laughs> they in there burning stuff up or doing whatever uh, was going on at the time. I mean, it's, uh, this is D.C. jail, you know, it's in Washington, D.C. So they had some hardened criminals in there. Yeah. Um, I think I know the answer, which is not a good way to lead a, a question. Go ahead. Especially in a conversation like this. Did he talk about his experiences at work or did he kind of just compress them? Oh, no, he didn't. He didn't really talk about them. I mean, outside of the time that he expressed to me about, you know, if I was going to keep, if I was decided to be disrespectful, you know, to the teachers and, you know, or any, anybody as an adult, uh, you know, outside of that time, he really didn't talk about it. You know, uh, I can, I can for sure remember him and some of his friends, they, they drank, you know, just to, you know, ease the pain. I could, they could have did some other things, you know, uh, but they, that, that was their outlet. You know, I can remember him saying that when they got off work, they would go get a drink because so that they could, uh, you know, wash off or just some, maybe forget about some of the things that they was dealing with in there. But um, I can't really say that, you know, I I had, you know, he wasn't perfect. I don't want you to think I'm painting this perfect picture. Nor is this this a dad bashing platform. We don't do that here. Right. Right. (laughs) Or nor that he was a perfect communicator. He communicated in different ways. And, you know, he was home. He was cooking. He was instilling us in lessons of how to take care of ourselves with respect to, you know, just taking care of the home. Yeah. Doing the lawn, you know, uh, cleaning up or cleaning up our area and protecting what we had, you know. Um, So part of part of this podcast journey for me is born out of. An inability to I shouldn't say inability because I know how to do it, but for whatever reason, I don't always communicate well with my son Mm -hmm. or at the right time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can see things developing and I'll hesitate. Right. And I, and I, and it caused me to think back and reassess my relationship with my father. And a couple episodes ago, we had a conversation about our perspective on our relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. It was very healing, very cleansing. And I got a better perspective of what he was dealing with at that time. Mm -hmm. How do you, let me, let me back up. What did, what did your communication like with your sons? Well, I guess, how has it evolved over time? Has it always been great? Was there points in your life where you felt like uh, maybe you weren't communicating effectively? How did you work through it? Because I'm I'm really struggling with that, and it scares me having a teenage son. You okay. have a teenage son. You have a son that's in yeah. that's uh, that's you know evolved into manhood, and and that phase that that fifteen to twenty two phase mm-hmm. is where I had the most problems with my dad. Okay, so you have a a vantage point of both. Yeah places in time yeah. at once. Okay, so help me out with that. So, first about the the way you felt or the timing. I don't have no timing. Mm-hmm. I don't even care. As a father, I got to get across my perspective no matter what. Mm. Cuz time is is more valuable than money. Right. And what's left unsaid is unfortunate. So I don't care. I don't care how they feel. I don't care what they're going through. I do try to understand. And maybe if I tell them or talk to them about certain things that I've gone through, um, it resonates. Sure. You know, um, my relationship with them is a little different, I think, because, you see, you're here. You're in the house with your, your sons. And my father was, too. But and, and that's the thing. And I pushed him away. Yeah. And I couldn't figure that out. Go ahead. Um, because I had two relationships that didn't work out, I lived with, uh, my sons, both of them at an early age and then sort of towards the middle part of their lives or the, you know, those times that where I wasn't there, Mm -hmm. you know, with respect to, um, you know, being able to see them on a regular basis. It was huge for me to, uh, make the decision to leave the DMV and moved to the DFW. Yeah. You know, that was a huge part uh, with me. And my youngest son lived here in, in the Dallas Fort Worth area with me. What, what drove the decision? Um, It was just uh, opportunity. 
Okay. Um, when you start paying child support, mm. uh, that drives uh, decision making. Of course, I, I can. I'm sure all fathers out there resonate with that. And yeah. I was paying a lot of child support for one child at the time. Did that impact your relationship with the child at any point? It did. It did. Like, uh, we didn't have a bad relationship, but I wasn't able to be there for certain moments that I think I should. Yeah. And not until I say somewhere between 10 and 20, those 10 years, I lost a lot. And uh, because of the type of relationship his mom and I had, it just... You know, it it just it warranted uh, my distance. Yeah, because uh, she did some things that I felt that was unspeakable. As I'm not a drug user, I work sure. every day. Uh, you know, I try to do the best I can to make sure I I was in his life. But um, you know, when his the oldest's mom she called the police on me. And, uh, you know, she made some false allegations and that could have went in a totally yeah. different direction. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, that's the reason why I had to explain to him because he wanted to, you know, we were having a communication problem. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? I'm trying to reach out to you. I'm trying to figure out where you are. You know, somewhere between 10 and, say, 15 you know, 16, 17, got a little bit better. He graduates from high school. Yeah. 18, he's off to college. I try to, you know, make sure I, I let him know your phone works, my phone works. You just call me. I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm calling to check on you. Right. You know, I'm texting and I'm not getting a response. So I'll call you back. And I am i wasn't feeling it, you know. Yeah. Um, And that's where I got to the point where we had to have this man-to-man conversation. Because at this point, he's 21. Yeah. Um, and I had a very blunt conversation with him and I said, look, man, I need you to include me right. in what you got going on. You can't call me at five o'clock on Friday evening saying you got a problem. Yeah. Because if I can, even if I can, I'm not going to solve it because see, I, I, I see that as a form of disrespect. But that even that approach is very telling of your character because that's a very respectable way to approach the situation. Yeah. I, I was going to ask that resentment play any part in it, but I, I don't even want to ask that now because of how you just characterize the way you reached out to your son. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for you. Yeah. I want to be in your life. Yeah. Let me help you help you. So let me tell you how that, how that, that conversation, that harsh conversation, because I talked to him like a grown man. Sure. We talked to another grown man. It had some Phil Florin flip fills in there. <laughs> and I just gave him the, Bear Brunt, if you don't include me, I'm not going to care. I, mm. I, you you, you got to let me in. And since that day, I mean, since that time, he's, you know, he came out and spent the holidays with us. Cause, uh, and uh, since that time, our communication just went through the roof because he knew, you know, I was pouring out my heart and he knew that I cared. You know, he saw it. And uh, it's been uh, it's been it's been wonderful. But as far as, you know, trying to decide whether it's appropriate or whether I'm I'm hurting this. No, the world ain't going to protect your feelings. I got to toughen you up before you leave this house or why before you get out there. And you can't you know, you can't baby the conversations. Your son Donovan is how? 14. 14. This is the time. Yeah, because and I think I'm late. Quite honestly, no, you're not. You're not late. You're not. If I can, yeah. If I can still instill, and like I said, with his job situation, he was crying. He was upset. I'm like, hey man, hold on, stop crying. Yeah. You caused that. You know, your sons grew up in different homes. They were connected to you. It's very clear that you made them aware that you wanted to be in their lives and you were very involved. Yeah. Are there characteristics that you see in your younger one? that the older one demonstrated and it's like, ah, I gotta, I gotta get that. Or is it just completely different and totally different reset, totally different. The youngest one, he's right there with Donovan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They are in, they're in another, another thing, you know, like nothing bothers him. Like he was here over the summer and, um, 
my wife is more harder on him than I am because yeah. I want to enjoy the time with him. But you know, sometimes you got to put in yeah. conditions and controls. And when you don't do what you're supposed to do, you got to, my we had him uh, picking up twigs, <laughs> every twig. Bill's character. In the, in the flower bed. Yeah. You know, not just the big ones, yeah. the little ones. And so, I was just like, come on now. Yeah. I mean, privately, I said it to her, but. It was gumballs for me. We had a gumball tree in the front. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> My dad was the gumballs. So, uh, but you know, that that builds character. But you can't, I can't, when I see it, he just, his thing is, all right. Yeah. He don't, he don't get mad. He don't fuss. He, he, he goes and does whatever we're asking him to do. He's, he's a good boy. Good. You know, he likes that. He's a TikToker. Oh, who is yeah. he? Like uh, I want to say, he got somewhere between fifty thousand and oh wow, fifty thousand uh, followers. So let me ask you this: you you made a uh, a comment that you want to enjoy the time because it's limited, right? Yeah, he's he's with you for a period of time. You want to yeah. maximize the fun, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the the episode before this one, part of my conversation with myself that I share with the world when I don't have a guest, is the struggle with the friend to the authoritarian or the authoritative role in your child's life. And I find myself sometimes being more of a friend in certain moments mm -hmm. to be the cool dad. Yeah. Other times I find myself being more authoritative. And what stem that is, my, my dad and I were reviewing some of the quotes that he used to lay on me growing up, mm -hmm. right? And one that was very um, memorable to me, and we never had a conversation about it until the last episode, a couple episodes ago now, he used to tell me, son, I'm your father. I'm not your friend. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Take that thing out of there. No friendships. Yeah. And but like, do you even, but do you, is it a struggle for you because of the limited time that you get with your son or is it that's no, just- No, no, it's not no struggle. Okay. It's no struggle. I, I just, it's just hard to discipline you know, all the time. Now we got yeah. rules that we have that he has to do like I'm with, it's, it's it's me and my wife. We don't have no slobs in the house. You got to yeah. clean up behind yourself. Yeah, you know? for sure. We're not gonna, you know. As my son, my fifteen year old is six four. He's taller yeah. than me. It, yeah. He wears a fourteen shoe. You're gonna have to clean yourself. You gotta, you know, you're gonna have to clean your space. We're not gonna, you know, uh, uh, put too many strength constraints on you. But you know, he's he has rules. Like I said, my 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 wife is more of a disciplinarian than yeah. I am. You know, and I think that stems from the fact that I just, you know, I want to hug and love and, you know, I don't necessarily want to be his friend. <laughs> he knows that, but I think you should definitely take that friend piece out. I'll give you an example. My 22 year old, uh, you know, I like when they called me P.O.P. That's what he calls me P.O.P. But when we talked, he felt so comfortable at one point. He was like, bruh, bruh. I said, man, I'm yeah. not your bruh. I'm not yeah. your friend. Don't. I, I'm good with P-O-P, pop. Yeah. You know, everybody has different affirmations that they call their father. Uh, but, you know, he got so comfortable a little bit. Yeah. I always have to reel him back in. And you can't be his friend. I mean, you you love him, but you can't be his friend. You have, you got lessons that you got to show him. Yeah. Because I, I think about, you know, the protection that I provide inside the walls and what we we have to deal with as young black men outside the walls, even when he goes to school, yep. goes to work, you know, you have to prepare him with to, for, with critical thinking. Um, you have to prepare him with patience to have the critical thought. You have to prepare him not to uh, retaliate because mm. I mean I've been in those situations at work and. I've retaliated and I got in trouble right. uh, when the aggression was uh, pointed to me. So, I mean, it's so complex, you know what I mean? Like you, we fail sometimes and I, I'm not saying that I'm not guilty, but some of the, um, I think um, I saw something where a guy was talking about, you know, uh, his grandfather walked to school, his father caught the bus. When he came up, he got a car. Right. He gave his son a Mercedes. He gave his his son is his son's son is gonna probably have a Tesla. Yeah. You know, and but the struggle is going to go back in circles because we're not teaching 
the the boys to be able to fend for themselves. We're giving them yeah. stuff. So I want to make sure I'm giving them not something, you know, materialistic, sure. but something that they can use when I'm gone. You yeah. know, these lessons, like the lessons I learned by looking at my father, we didn't have a whole bunch of conversations and we didn't have a whole bunch. I just looked at how he reacted. And right. that's how I tried to uh, be as a man, you know. How do you strike the balance between allowing them to learn and setting them up for success? Because I do believe that every generation should have an advantage over the last, right? We should be preparing them. We should be uh, positioning them for success, right? We shouldn't give them the same trauma, the same um, financial struggles if that was the case, if that was the story. We shouldn't be passing that along. One of the things that I struggle with and uh, had a conversation with my father about is, were there things that he watched me, was he watching the train wreck? And why didn't he stop it? You get what I'm saying? Like he he saw things where I was, I put myself in a situation and it and it yielded a struggle for me, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have to do that if I if I seek this counsel, mm-hmm. but I didn't. He saw it. Right. How much of your approach is because I struggle, you need to struggle too? Or are you kind of translating your struggles into lessons to help them avoid uh, the struggles? Okay, so. I don't, I, you know, I didn't grow up with any wealth. Sure. Or I, I don't have Nor any I. generational wealth that was passed. Nor I. Not, now, that, now, when I say wealth, I'm saying financial. Sure. But mental. Even the literacy, in my case. Hey, well, l- mental wealth, mm-hmm. I am, I'm a millionaire. Right. You know, I'm in the mental wealth is something that nobody else can take from me. Sure. So, you know, and I guess that's a case by case basis. You know, if a a child exudes the critical thinking at an early age that they need to be able to sustain themselves out here in, in these streets, um, I can see an affording, you know, and I need, I, I'm not even talking about just, you know, setting them up. And letting them know that's the one thing, you know, we talk about that and we try to show them that, you know, when you see the kids nowadays, they, they wear like Hermes belts to prom and, you know, they're driving Maybachs and that, that to me is a farce. Okay. If you're providing, you know, extra stuff because they're doing well in school, that's, that's the, to me, that's not the right, that's not the right uh, way to you know, uh, position them because their expectation levels are going to be somewhere that they shouldn't be. You know, uh, you're supposed to get straight A's yeah. in school if that's the case, you know. Uh, well, but, so if we could just pause right there, because okay. what's so interesting to me is, let me back up. Did your boys have an opportunity to have a relationship with your father? No. Not, no, I, I never knew a grandfather no, either. No. Um, but what what I find extremely interesting is that things that were absolutely unacceptable for me as a child in my parents' house are more than acceptable for my kids, their grandkids, right? My mom thinks that every child needs a, an iPod or an iPad yeah, or something, yeah, right? That right. wasn't the case. And I asked my dad, at what point do grandparents flip the switch where the rules you don't know. change, right? You don't know. Well, here's what he I wanted your 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 perspective too. And he said this to me, which made a whole lot of sense. He said, when you evaluate how you did the first time around and you identify the regrets where you made mistakes with your children. Oh, okay. You kind of want to correct it in that next generation. Uh, you can't correct generational things. Like, I don't believe that. Really? No. I think that the reason why the relationship changes, because this happens to everybody. You yeah, know? I, I would imagine. Everybody happened, you know, they, they their parents were strict, they have children, and they're not strict anymore. Yeah. You know what the real reason to me is they the level of their responsibility is lessened. They don't have the same responsibility to make sure that you do the right thing, you get your school work out. They have a limited time to sometimes... I'm not saying in general, I'm just speaking yeah. in general, their time with your children is limited. Yeah. In the fact that maybe they, they y'all not living in the same city or also with the fact that they're getting older and you done wore them out already. 
So now they, it's just like a, a, a old belt. It's loose. It ain't tight like it used to be. You know, if you keep pulling on leather, it's going to stretch. Yeah. And they've been stretched. And now it's just like, oh, let's make sure the babies have all the things that they want, you know, because, you know, you, you they were tight, yeah. you know, when you were younger and they, didn't, they don't have the same level of responsibility. I mean, they have a responsibility to love them and help, you know, mentor them as yeah. their grandparents, but. They're not, that's the, they're not their kids. <laughs> yeah. My research continues. Yes, that's keep researching it because I, I try to break sense. things down to the yeah. smallest. And everybody doesn't do that, but I just try. I have, to, I have to do that so that I can comprehend and understand. All right, so hoping that this doesn't take a left. It's not going to. No, I was I'm just, sure That was not. just for dramatic effect. I was looking at the camera and everything. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but you, you said you don't think you can change or cure generational things. No, no, I, no, don't, don't, no, there. don't misquote okay, okay, that. Okay, take, clip, clip me up, clip me okay, up. Okay, so up. I don't think that we should, number one, I mean, not, not to say in a sense, we should be trying to make situations, every situation, I guess it's a slippery slope because everybody's going to take it differently, but you know, like I said, you cannot heal or you ha you can't learn a lesson without some pain. And if you don't provide those speed bumps, those hurdles, then how are they going to jump? You know, gotcha. like I think it's 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 a thing like we had the shooting at the school yeah. recently. And, you know, I saw it was a fight. You know, I, yeah. I, I immediately went back to Friday back yeah. in the day. What, what you did, you got in a fight. You live, and son. you got your butt whooped. Either you went back at it, yeah, and, but you live. live. Ain't nobody Fighting was pulling out day. no guns. Yeah. But kids don't know how to. They don't. They don't get that lesson. You know. They don't get that situation now. You know, because we're so laxed about how we treat our children across the board. How yeah. we want them to have the nicety, niceties that. White families have been afforded all so, these years as black families. We kind of, I think we let our foot off the gas and I don't think that's the the, the most perfect thing. I would have loved to have some of those niceties, yeah. but it, it made me stronger, I believe, you know, in all my dealings, even yeah. the ones that didn't work out. You know, we talk, I talk with my friends sometimes, you know, we talk about how the kids, they didn't do it. What we did, we had, you know, we might've had $10, but we all chipped in. We all was real friends. $10 was the whole night. Man, $10 was $3 or something in the gas yes. tank. <laughs> uh, $4 to get something, from, something to eat. Yes, sir. Dollar and, then, and a couple of dollars to get something to drink. You know, I, I we all yeah. looked out for each other. And nowadays, it ain't no real... There's no real relationships, no real connections yeah. like that, especially with social media. I don't think they have the the conditions don't favor it, right? Social no. media was before COVID. Yeah. COVID just exacerbated the exacerbated, conditions yeah. already. And now they really don't have any, I shouldn't say they don't have any social skills, but they're so, they, I think they're slower to develop because they're not constantly in situations where they have to use social skills yeah. and face-to-face -face interaction. Yeah. We go back to something. Um, you mentioned that your your youngest son is kind of goes with the wind, right? Yeah. And not that not that he is easily influenced or anything like that, but nothing's a big deal to him. No, nothing affects him. Nothing when, affects him. Yeah. Make sure, yeah, I don't want to misquote. Yeah, you. nothing affects him like, you know, when you when you want to discipline a child yeah. or anything like that, you know, uh he doesn't he doesn't you don't he doesn't show the emotion of being upset. Yeah. You know, and uh you know, he just, he just, all right, that's yeah. his response, you know? Yeah. And now I don't know if that's a fail safe for him so that he, you know, he manages his expectation, but he knows mine. He knows mine. So the reason why, the reason why I wanted to, to, to kind of circle back to that is because you mentioned the shooting, right? And mm -hmm. we had conversations with our kids about, are you okay? Have you processed it? Mm -hmm. And they're like, shoulder shrugs. For those that are audio, shoulder shrugs. Yeah, we don't. We don't know. Does that? Does any of that scare you about your son? Because it gave me pause. Honestly, that 
Like, are they so, are they so desensitized mm-hmm. that to their detriment, where if it was in their school, how would they react? Yeah. You know, that kind of yeah. thing that they don't have street smarts because th- there's no reason to be outside anymore. Mm-hmm. They're not in these situations where they're developing character through interactions mm-hmm. and things going wrong on a smaller scale. So it's kind of like, boom, catastrophe. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Right. That kind of makes me nervous about my I, kids. I get a little nervous because we was talking about he does YouTube stuff and um, he has a little uh, YouTube channel he just created. He's in high school now. This is the first year he's actually in the school. Right. So his ninth grade year, he was at home mm-hmm. zooming and now he's in the school. He's very likable. He's a very handsome young man. And uh, he does this thing where he goes and he's asking all these cockamamie questions. And um, some of them are funny and I have to, you know, laugh behind his back. But, you know, I had to make sure that um, I talked to him about, you know, watch what you're asking people, what what type of jokes or questions you're asking people, because kids are so sensitive nowadays and that could turn into something else. And. You know, my my biggest thing is let's keep that same energy about your schoolwork. Sure. You know, you're around here asking 50 million questions and putting together a whole YouTube channel to, you know, because he's in the audio video uh, program at the high school that, okay. that he's in. But this ain't got nothing to do with schoolwork. This is him in the cafeteria asking crazy questions yeah. and getting crazy responses. And um, I just want to make sure I keep him, you know, uh, grounded about what he's doing, you know, you gotta, you can't just ask everybody everything. Yeah. And, uh, I, that probably be the, the main thing that I'd be worried about, you know, especially in these years, cause it's just not the same as what we went through. Um, but I, I, I fully, uh, uh, you know, when you pray about something, you can't worry, right. you know, I pray about it and, and uh, I know he's going to be good. You know, I just want to, be there when he reaches his greatness. Cause yeah. I know he's going to do something great. You know, he's got an engineering mind. He wants to be in audio video, uh, television, yeah. some form of fashion. And we'll look back at these videos. And I, I also had to say, Le- these things live, live forever. forever. And I said, you got to watch what you're putting out there. Yeah. So, you know, I know he, uh, this is his time. This is how he has to process it. I just got to sit back and uh, make sure I pay attention you know, and help maybe uh, put some poles in place when I see something going to the left or to the right, you know. Gotcha. All right, we're going to ease it up a little bit. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, um, and then we'll wrap up. What's one conversation that you wish you had sooner with your boys, either one of them, or both? Hmm. Um, just the, 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 the ability to let them know that when I wasn't there in the house with them, I was still there, you know, and that's the one conversation that I did have with my oldest son, my youngest son, he's a little different, you know, um, when my, my oldest son and his mom split, we didn't have the ability to FaceTime and all that, you know, gotcha. not that it, it takes a, a precedent, but it's different, you know, uh, with my youngest son, we we FaceTime as much as possible. You know, I try to check in on him. I try to check his uh, uh, his school account just to see how he's doing. Then I ask him. You sure. know, uh, he it's just a different level of communication that he's exposed to. You know, just like he don't even have to go anywhere. He don't. You know, it's the thing about when I was sixteen, I wanted to drive. Oh, I absolutely. had to drive. I didn't want to get no car, no time soon. But I had to get my license. Yeah. Nowadays, they, you get you get everything at the door. Oh, sitting outside. You don't even want to drive. Yeah. You yeah. know, you don't even have to. You know, it's not a thing. And you can still communicate through the video games, through the phone, and through the computer. And it's just you know, just to let them know. Both my my biggest thing is just to make sure. And I think I've achieved those things, especially with respect to them understanding that they are brothers. Yeah. They didn't grow up in the same household, but they have a relationship uh, outside of me forcing them two together. You gotcha. know? Question number two of three. What conversation do you wish you had with your father that you think would have changed the course of your life? Hmm. Probably, uh, and he probably wasn't able to have that conversation with me. 
uh, is of, of course financial. Yeah, you know the finance cut question. Uh, and I, I want to think, I think credit cards, they came back in the 87 or the ability to obtain a credit card. Mm-hmm. So back when I got to college, 88, 89, <laughs> you were prime picking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, my father didn't, you know, he, I think our first home that he purchased was built in the fifties or something. Yeah. And, uh, he purchased it and the interest rate back then in the Reagan era, yeah. was bananas, yeah. like 19%. But because we had lived in an apartment, this was his ability to take us in a different direction, to yeah. get us out of a, you know, co-mingles living situation yeah. and be in our own home. That was the American dream, of course. Yeah. And, and those, uh, those rates were sometimes different for us. Yeah, of course, of course. But it was still high for yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, 17, 19% on a, a mortgage, which was crazy. That's ridiculous. Um, but having the ability to have a, a credit talk about credit, but I don't think he was able to explain that to me. But what he did show me was how to make sure that I pay my bills sure. and not have anybody looking for me. He showed me how to, you know, feed my family, teach uh lessons and chores and, you know, things that young people don't have today. They're slobs, they yeah. don't respect uh <laughs> anything, they don't you give them something, and that's the whole real reason why about the generational wealth thing. You work hard, you know, and that's where I kind of, you know, if if I can create it, I guess I, I'd like to create generational wealth. I, yeah. I don't 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 misunderstand me on that, but you know, you work hard to get to that point, and then you give it, and then they just they yeah. don't appreciate it, and they squander it. Yeah, you can't tell what they're going to do with it, yeah. but. You know, if they don't take the the effort to take that and make something out of themselves or make it grow, yeah. then what did you do? Yeah. You know, if they don't appreciate it, and if you didn't teach them how to appreciate the little, That's then the what you think they're going to do when they get the you know this wealth that you've amassed? That's the part. What what know? ownership do we have in that process of making sure that we're giving them the tools and and making sure they understand value? Right. Like the saying, you you know, the price of everything and the value of nothing. Right. 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 When you when you're us. you're doing all that you do with your businesses, the best thing per me that I believe, if I had any advice, is to show them exactly yeah. what you're doing, how much does it cost to to do what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, talk to them about what you do, because we still work nine to fives and right. we both have businesses. Talk to them about, hey, this is what I got to do to make this money, but this is what I got to do to make that type of money. And you can decide what it is that you want to do. Yeah. Because you're not going to, you know, you we don't put any polls in place either, any uh, controls to say, hey, well, look, you can ready to be a, 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 a an adult. Yeah. Uh, what is your plan? See, right. you got four. He's 14 now. What's your plan? Yeah. And that's what my com- communication with my 15-year-olds. What's your plan? Yeah. I said, because you can't, whatever you want to do, you got to get a high school diploma. You yeah. got to, you got to finish, period. You know, I tell my 22-year-old, whatever you got want to do work-wise and why you're in college, uh, okay, don't leave that school without a degree. Yeah. I mean, you done went there to get it. Just, you need to finish. finish. Long as you decide that, you know, long as you finish, you know, you'll be better than me. Yeah. So I just, uh, I just, Try to give them real talk, and um, I don't spare though. You can't spare feelings because you got so many people out here that's not going to care sure. about their feelings. The police, people that don't like the color of you, you sure. know, which is crazy. But you know, you want to teach them compassion. You know, have compassion for your next man. You know, that's that's those are the things that all those things that I talked about. What I got from my father, I put that in my. I try to pour that in my business. Gotcha. Final question, um, and it's how I like to end conversations with guests, right? It's a segment I call Father to Father. Mm-hmm. Basically, I seek advice from my conversation counterpart okay. about what they would tell me in terms of what advice they would give me at this stage of my life. And I'm very interested in your perspective, again, because you have the 15 and you have the 22. Mm-hmm. What words of wisdom can you give me Father to Father? At this stage, um, just like I said, man, don't don't spare their feelings. Wow, 
let it go. You can't, you can't spare their feelings and you just have to, you know, be understanding of course, but help them understand the climate of where the world, Sure, you see that all the time. You can't, you know, I, 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 I'm an old man. I can watch TV. I pay for it. I'm gonna watch it. Right. You know, of course you don't want to shield them from everything, but like, I'll give you an example uh, of something that was impressed upon me and I didn't even know it. My father used to watch world news. We couldn't do nothing. We had one TV in the house. Right. They had yeah. no TV in the bedroom. Yeah. And he would watch world news uh, with Tom Brokoff. And um, either you sat there and watched it with him until he decided he didn't want to watch the TV anymore. Um, and I take, um, I think I've taken a liking to world news as well. Yeah. You know, not that, you know, it's super important to me, but I like to understand the climate of where we are in America as it relates to uh, other countries. Sure. I like to travel to other, other countries yeah. as well too. Um, based on my job, I, I, you know, which is funny, I work with a security clearance. So I have to do certain things to travel out of the country, like check the state department's yep. website to see what the climate of the government is yep. at, and those things kind of interest me. Right. You know, you you do uh, what you do with your podcast, your business, your job. Uh, they're looking. Yeah. They're looking. Yeah. Um, you know, I I know, you know, moms are for feelings, dad for lessons. You know, you can't you can't you can't spare his feelings. You want to also, you know, just interject them into what you do every day, yeah. your world, you know, and talk to him when he, whether you want to talk or not. Yeah. He going he's going to remember these. Wait, things. back up. Talk to him. I definitely you definitely identify the struggle for me. Yeah. I'm in my head too much about do they want does he want to hear from me? Does he want to be around me? Because again, cuz of my history. Cuz at the stage that's what I was doing. You just too intelligent. I'm hood. <laughs> if only. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if only that was partially true. You 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 got to communicate with them on whatever level it has to be. Yeah. Like I said, you know, uh, you can love them, but yeah. you can't be their friend. You have to make sure that they get that their knee scrape. So that, it has to happen. Yeah. 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 It has right. to happen. You got to slap the hand. Somebody else is going to do it. Yeah. Better you than them. Yeah. You know, so that it won't, it won't be a shot. You yeah. know, that's why the generations are so different, you know, guy. I got the young kids coming up on my job, been there 18 years next March. And they're expecting the pay that I've amassed in 18 years yeah. on day two. Yeah. You know, that's that's their level of expectations. I get and it. um, you know, I just I just don't I don't sugarcoat with my boys. And I, you know, I I don't I don't break them down, but you can't just, you know, not give them some tough tough love sure. in your words, you know, and in the experiences that you share with them. You have to, you have to talk about the un un those gray areas that most most people don't want to. Yeah. And uh just take the feeling. Stop caring about what they feel. Hey. Pump your feelings, kid. Yeah. Pump them brakes. <laughs> yeah. Javan, it has been an absolute pleasure. I mean, oh, there's man. so much that we didn't get to. I'm I'm hoping that you'll consider returning to the podcast. Oh, definitely. We, we didn't even get to business, right? Yeah, we got to do and, a whole another second and, on that. And there's a dynamic, you know, you're, you're in business, your brother's in business. Yeah. I wonder how much of that was influenced by what you saw, what you guys saw in the house, you know, with your father. A bunch of things we didn't get to, and I don't want to start another conversation because yeah. we'll have to do part two yeah um but i appreciate you i you Man. know you, you are the inaugural in studio guest what's up right Thank in you. studio guest and i appreciate it um i hope you guys have enjoyed the conversation too if you're still listening at this point you owe it to yourself to subscribe to the content you owe it to yourself to leave some comments because i'm sure there was something that resonated with you that you didn't agree with because we didn't agree with each other all throughout the conversation and that's the point of having these conversations these are not interviews this is truly about gaining perspective and helping others through telling of the fatherhood journey if you're on an audio platform please follow uh javan any any closing words you have a instagram or anything you want to shout out uh uh well i'm on instagram for my business which is uh the razor's cut um 
And uh, I just want to shout out my my lovely wife for allowing me to take some time away from our relationship to come down and talk about, you know, personal things that I feel, you know, real, real uh, serious about. And uh, thank you for allowing me to come and be on your show, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate you guys. God bless. Peace. Dear Son Podcast is produced by D. John's Live Studios. All rights reserved.